Darkcast Network. Out of the shadows come the best indie podcasts. Hi everyone, I'm Pat. And I'm Darcy. Welcome to the Pod of Terror. Darcy, have you heard about a 57-year-old pastor who allegedly assaulted his wife's colleague by trying to push his head into a deep fryer and punching him? Wow! <laughs> So what happened was um, the pastor's wife uh, was training for her new job as a manager at McDonald's and allegedly this colleague of hers um, disrespected her. So she called her husband because that's normal. And the husband, the pastor came and fucking swinging punches. He basically um, walked around the counter, placed his hand around his hands around the neck of the guy and he was trying to push his head towards the deep fryer, wow. deep fat fryer. And then the all the other guys, you know, the colleagues were like, what the hell? So they had to like literally physically take him off of this guy, but um, he suffered like some minor injuries anyway. I think he just messed up his eye, he his forehead, he had scratches, and um, yeah, he was um, the pastor was arrested on the charge of misdemeanor simple assault. I mean, he's meant to be a man of God. Yeah, like that it doesn't some temple. Do you know there's so many I don't understand about this story? First of all, okay, you are training to be a manager and you can't take little shits disrespecting you. Maybe you shouldn't be a manager because yes. that is your bread and butter. Exactly. Mate. <laughs> Literally, you're gonna be getting disrespected on the daily. So why she called her husband and why he came in all guns blazing? Why does he think he's Tony Mantona or something? You know? Oh my he... god, for real. Yes, <laughs> what was he thinking? Seriously, that is that is yeah. Well yeah, that nice little uh, giggly one to start with, no one got that hurt so. good thing because that would have been painful can you imagine if he managed Jesus yeah. Christ I can't imagine those mm. Jesus Christ <laughs> anyway let's leave deep fat fries behind what have you got for us Darcy I've got a story for us today okay before we start guys trigger warning it's a little bit of a, a rough one it's quite gruesome um, yes so if you know if you haven't got the stomach for it and it's a very it's a sad one guys so Okay, I'm scared now. I'm scared and I'm um, interested. Let's yes. go. So, yeah, just to let people know, okay? So, let's get going. So, today, we're going to talk about a, the horrific torture and tragic death of a young girl named Susanna Kappa from the UK. She was born in the Greater Manchester region of England in 1976 and grew up in um, an area called Moston with her older sister, Michelle, her mother, Elizabeth Dunbar, and her stepfather, John Kappar. Okay. Okay. The sisters had no relationship with their biological father. Their mother and stepfather had a rocky marriage, and in 1990, the couple split when Susanna was 14 years old. Okay. From here on, things actually get uh, real difficult and upsetting for the girls because they didn't have a home anymore. Uh, they were under the care of local authorities for a short time. Oh, Yeah, and then they were taking turns staying with their stepfather, family friends, and sometimes their mother. Their mother... Yeah, what, what's up with that? She doesn't... She, I, I don't know. I don't want to say too much, but... Um, she just, I don't know, maybe she had too much going on. She didn't seem very responsible. She wasn't responsible for them. She didn't right. take care of them. I think, um. Was she one of those kind of don't have a job, don't have the means to take care of them, or just didn't particularly want to? I think it's a mix of Both. everything. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Due to this, Susanna barely went to school. Oh. So the last two years of her, like, school uh, education was really, really bad. Um, she barely attended, basically. Some, so Susanna was described as a gentle and easily influenced girl by the people who knew her. 
Her mother described her as uh, very forgiving. What it is, is that um, Susanna yearned for love and friendship. She was a sweet, quiet girl, but she had basically no friends. Oh, yes. baby. So whenever or whoever reached out for her, reached out to her, she would cling on to them desperately, no matter how they treated her. I just starved for attention and yes. some love. And it's really, really sad because you yeah. can really see, you'll see it throughout the story, like, like just how desperate like she is. Like a little is, puppy. Basically. Yeah. Uh, when you're a soft person, uh, what do people do? Take advantage of you they immediately. <laughs> they take advantage of you as much as they can, and that's basically what happens to Susanna. Uh, a couple of years go by. Mm-hmm. Susanna is now 16. She's walking down the road, and she sees this boy around her age sitting by the side of the road. He was a bit. Uh, he was. He was in a bit of a mood because he just had some issues with his girlfriend, and um, Susanna approached him to see, you know, if he's okay. They got talking and the boy named Clifford Pope, 17, took Susanna to introduce her to his sister, Jean Powell, who was 26 years old. Now, this woman is pure evil. Oh, no. Yeah, she is no good. She was a single mother to three young kids and lived in a small Victorian terrace house. If you're like if you're from the UK, you're probably you familiar know, you can with, with the kind of houses, especially up north near Manchester, mm. Liverpool. There would be like a row of houses, very close all to each close other, close to each other, and they're not very big properties. Mm. You know, they're usually about three bedrooms. Um, uh, oh, so for everyone listening, three bedrooms sounds like much. No, it's not because those bedrooms, like you can swing a bed in there, and that's yeah, pretty and, much and it. One of the three is like a, it's like it's a, just a storage room, basically. Yeah, it's basically yeah. a storage. <laughs> yeah, and um, and also you might get like a little garden but they're like very tightly squashed together houses and they're quite small and you'll know why I'm t- making it clear <laughs> in, a, in, a while, in a bit now um, she so yeah so she lived in this terrace house at number 97 uh, Langworthy Road Jean Powell kept a very untidy and dirty home with kids in a house I'm already loving her yeah full of rodents oh God. actually a uh, fun side uh, info later on you know police had to go into her house right so when they had to go into her house instead of um cushions for for the sofa they had like you know the car seats no and things like that yeah they had like a row of like car seats and car cushions like oh my god that's such crack then vibes (laughs) right there oh my god also gene was basically a drug dealer so yeah, yeah, you called it, babe. <laughs> she was a drug dealer. They, um, you know, she sold drugs out from her property and also stolen goods, especially cars, car parts, things like that. Yeah, clearly with the car seats in the in the living room. That's just her little showroom, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, basically. Plus, there was, um, you know, there were parties full of sex and drugs taking place in her home. Mm-hmm. Therefore, the house would be um, would have constant visitors coming and going, selling and buying. Uh, mainly, you know, uh, criminals and delinquents, you know, the kind of people yeah. you expect to be going to these kind of properties. Jean and Susanna's friendship was extremely toxic right from the beginning. Susanna would babysit Jean's kids for free and would then spend the night at the property. Now, because Susanna didn't really have a proper home, mm. um, she was still, you know, staying from place to place, basically couch surfing. Uh, even at that point, she still was. She didn't have a home. She's only 16. Yeah, exactly. So because of that, so, you know, she was spending more and more time with Jean at Jean's place. Hmm. And, um, you know, till soon enough, she was basically living there. 
Jean was uh, physically and verbally abusive to Susanna. Uh, Susanna's mother, Elizabeth Dunbar, later revealed that Jean had made Susanna work as a cleaner for some building in town and making her miss school. The mother, Dunbar said, quote, she, speaking about Jean, was taking her money, just letting her keep £5 a week while we thought she was in school. When we, when we confronted her about it, she actually threatened to burn our house down. Wow. So, um, modern slavery at its finest, I yes. suppose. Great. Jean Powell had a reputation of being a bad neighbour. <laughs> I would think so. Yes. I wouldn't want to be I mean, just the people coming and going already makes you... Yeah, even that's if you really like, bad keep everything quiet and mm. try and be secretive, just the amount of people that were probably entering and leaving that house. And also she sounds pretty fucking aggressive yes. towards everybody, so... Yeah, and mm. she is. Well done. She is. Yeah. Um, she was... Yeah, so she's... You know, she had a reputation as bad neighbour, which makes a lot of sense, you know, when you think about it, yeah. When, you know, speaking of bad neighbours, a few doors down... Number 91 Langworthy Road. So we're literally talking like a couple of doors down. Lived a woman called Bernadette McNeely. She was 24 years old and also had three children of her own. (laughs) She too was evil. (laughs) Great. It's actually, later on you'll you'll, you'll be thinking, who's worse? Like that's how (laughs) you're going to be thinking. Now the two, Jean and Bernadette, shared some common interests, drugs, Sex and parties. Not not raising their children or anything. No, I honestly... <laughs> takes a back seat there. Yes. All right. So, you know, naturally, they got along like a house on fire. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't expecting anything less. <laughs> so much so that Bernadette moved into Jean's house with her three children. Why would she do that? That's the same question I asked, babe. You've I, got your own house. What are you doing? And it's not even like your. It's not even the next just, street. It's literally yeah. a few doors down. You can pop around anytime. What anytime you want. You can literally spend all day with her and then go back just to sleep. That's weird. Anyway, she, they decided. They all decided to. Um, I don't know. I just don't know why, but they all decided to live in one house. So I imagine it was just um one one never ending party for these people. Just um get fucked, go to sleep, wake up, rinse and repeat. Basically, but oh the crazy thing is that they had, the kids were in the house, so I don't know what yeah, they what were the thinking, hell? but yeah, six young children, that's crazy. But yeah, so the two women slept downstairs and the six children would sleep upstairs in the bedrooms. Together, Jean Powell and Bernadette McNeely were dealing drugs. Power duo. Yes. <laughs> business, business. Uh, they would uh, weigh the drugs and bag them in the kitchen. They had like the equipments and everything they needed for mm. that. Uh, then they would sell them to... I wrote down customers, guys, but, you know, <laughs> well, they for are, lack of a better word, yes. <laughs> and these customers would visit their house to, you know, get what they need and stuff. The, the two would also sleep with a bunch of their customers. Mm-hmm. They also teamed up and bullied Susanna together. Oh, God, so Susanna was basically living there at that time as well. Yeah. Okay. And they both were, were bad neighbors mm-hmm. because they're basically the same peas in a pod. Yeah. They would, uh, the two would fight with their neighbors constantly. One time, they, um, they set their neighbors washing on fire. Wow. Okay. What do you do if your neighbor sets your washing on fire? I don't, I don't even know. I mean, what do you do? What I would do is I would call the social services on the fucking children living in that house. For some reason, nobody that, thought to do that. Yeah, that's very weird. But then I suppose they were scared that next time it's their house that goes up in flames, not their washing. And they already threatened um, Susanna's mum. So I yeah. think they are capable, very much capable yeah. of doing such things. 
But again, no, there's six kids in there. Someone's got to do something. It's anonymous. And I imagine everyone on that street hated her guts anyway. So yeah. someone do something, And I'm please. sure mostly uh, 90% of them were probably scared of her anyway. Yeah, it's probably just terrified. They didn't yeah. want to get involved. Bloody hell. Now, the house was already cramped with, you know, Jean, Bernadette, Susanna, and the six children. But there were a few regular visitors who would also stay over, making it a lot worse. Mm -hmm. Uh, First, we have Glenn Powell, 29 years old, and ex-husband to Jean Powell. Although the two were separated, they were still very close and um, amicable and had a sexual relationship too. Oh my god, you know, exes should be exes, is all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I strongly believe that, but, uh, you know, it's nobody... Well, I don't, I these don't people know. definitely don't have any rules. No, they just just like rabbits in an enclosure, you know I mean? It doesn't matter. Yes. Whatever. Babe, this is just the beginning, but anyway, yes. Here's I have a feeling I'm going to be very, very angry by the end of this story. The, your feeling's correct. <laughs> now, his house was in the neighbourhood, so he would visit regularly... He had a con- he had convictions for burglary, theft, and being drunk and disorderly. But how shocked are you to hear that? Oh, I think that's pretty tame, <laughs> considering <laughs> what these people are like. <laughs> exactly. Just now, drunk and disorderly and some burglary. Ah, don't worry. It's very good. It'll get worse. Mm. Second was Anthony Dudson, 16 years old, and was Bernadette's boyfriend. What? Yeah, just to remind what you What did guys, you just say? Yeah, Bernadette's She's 24. 24. Yeah, well done, yeah. Ah, that's... That's disgusting. They don't care, babe. No. Yeah. Oh, ew. That's... He, mm, mm. Who would want to fuck a 16-year-old boy? Well... A, a, an actual, you know, adult woman. Bernadette get it. McNeely and also... Apparently, yeah. Jean Powell. No. Yeah. No, shut up. He was sleeping up. with her too. Shut up. No, she didn't. Yeah. Oh, my God. The incest in that house disgusting not actual incest you know what I mean it's just but just too incestuous. much too much too many same bodies sleeping oh, with the same bodies you know I mean? yeah definitely oh gross gross <laughs> third we have Jeffrey Lee 26 years old drug addict who hmm. was purchasing drugs from the ladies so that was his main reason hmm. why he was visiting but he was also sleeping with Jean Powell he had a criminal record yeah <laughs> I'm sorry who wasn't sleeping with Jean Powell he had a criminal record and had convictions for robbing his 86-year-old disabled aunt. Nice. Yes. Another gem. Mm-hmm. I was just about to say, give him credit, for not only is he going there, pick, picking up drugs from her, probably at a slight discount, and also getting his dick wet whilst he's at it. He's living the dream, that guy. <laughs> and finally, we have Clifford Poop, 17 years old, Jean's brother I mentioned earlier on. Mm-hmm. Let's hope he wasn't sleeping with... Um, <laughs> let's just hope he wasn't sleeping around with them. Um, oh, because he's the one that was originally upset about trouble with his girlfriend. Yes. Hopefully it wasn't neither of those women. Hopefully. <laughs> um, I think he dated Susanna for a bit, but um, there's not too much information on okay. that. Yeah, but they were the, about the same age anyway. Yeah. So. Susanna's sister, Michelle Kapper, had um, very briefly stayed with Jean Powell, but she left soon after because she didn't, you know... She didn't like the, quote, evil new friends. Oh, my God, please take your sister with you. I think the, the problem was that they both were desperate. They both didn't have a home to go to. They both were yeah. on basically were on their own. I don't think they had the facilities or even the capabilities to take care of another person. They yeah. were barely taking care of themselves. 
That's fair enough. But yeah. it sucks though. Uh, plus, also, Susanna kind of wanted to stay. Like, she was like, yeah. she, you know, like I mentioned, she was so desperate for friends. She found some sort yeah. of, like, family substitute in those sickos, I suppose. Yes. That's so sad. Um, yeah, so, but, but unfortunately, yeah, Susanna stayed, even though Jean and Bernadette would constantly bully her. I think when the two of them got together and they moved to the house, they actually got a lot worse. Uh, Michelle said, when asked why... You know, why Susanna was staying with these people and stuff. Quote, it was not that she was scared of them. It's just that she would do anything for them. She pampered their every whim. And I think they knew that. And I think that's why they took such extra, they just took extra piss, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Because they knew they could. Exactly. Susanna stayed at the house and took care of the children and cleaned the property the best she could. However, the physical and mental abuse was getting worse. Instigated by the women, Jean and Bernadette, but also by the men, so the four guys that were constantly visiting and staying over. Mm. Whenever they were at uh, the property, they were always, they all, it's like they were trying to one up each other on who can treat her worse. Yeah. This is, this is terrifying me because I don't like this kind of pack mentality people have, yeah. especially people who are bullies. The more of you there are, it's just kind of, it's like a trance they find. And into. how do they find each other? I don't know. Like, what were the chances that these I don't two know. evil women happened to, you know... Best days. Yeah, be three <sighs> doors down from each other. Oh, no. Crazy. Fate. Mm. Um, a couple of months before her murder, Susanna was beaten up so badly by Jean, she left the house and went to see her mother and begged her to let her stay at uh, the night. The mother refused claiming that her boyfriend wouldn't allow it. So Susanna had no choice but to walk back to Jean's house. I am really disliking her mother right now. I'm not going to lie. How can you? As a mother, I am not a mother. I wouldn't do that to a kid knocking, like, random kid I don't know, knocking on my door. I'll be like, come on in. We're taking you to the fucking hospital and the police. What? Mm. What kind of, Who are these people? What in the fuck is happening? So the mother, Elizabeth Dunbar, states that a few weeks before her death, Susanna visited her at her workplace with very visible bruises on her face. Susanna told her she wanted to move in with her, but she had just moved into a new flat, the mother, um, that same day and needed a couple of weeks to get her room ready. Apparently, Susanna was supposed to move in on Christmas Eve. Regardless of the truth, babe, if somebody, like you said, you know, comes to your, you know, for you, comes to you for refuge, mm-hmm. and you can see that they're hurt, you don't wait. You should help them. You don't get the room ready. If it's your sixteen-year-old daughter, mm-hmm. and, you know, regardless of what the truth is, whether she yeah. actually, I, I personally think that she went knocking on the door and the boyfriend said no, because a lot of um, stories, a lot of the sources were claiming that. But even if we t- were to take the mum's, you know. Word uh, for it. Word yeah. for it, that she did speak to think why why is it taking you a few weeks to arrange a room? No. No, or you what you're doing is you're bringing her in, you're putting down a fucking blanket on the floor and you're like, You're gonna be uncomfortable for a while, but you're safe. Yes. That's it. Especially if you can see that she's hurt. Like you can yeah. see that she's getting visible bruising abused. and all of that. No, nah, mate. She, yeah. you're not going back to where you just came from. You're just not you're staying here. I don't understand that. I just I don't get it. And her being her child it just baffles me. I think the mother was interviewed or um, something like that because I was reading like this uh, conversation that the mother was having and that's when I um, read about this bit and she, she mentions how when uh, Susanna walks in, 
um, she kind of asked her and she saw the bruises. She was like, oh, um, what are you guys fighting over boys? And I was thinking this, I don't think this. She's lying for her teeth and she's just trying to save face, but she's not doing a very good job because that sounds even worse than the truth. She knew something bad was happening and chose to ignore it. Not fighting over boys. Who the fuck fucks fights over boys like that? No. No, she was being abused and you did fuck all and now she is dead. So whatever she says, I don't, I'm not really interested in her explanation of what happened. I think a lot of people feel how you feel. Mm. Um, Susanna told neighbours that she was tied up and beaten by Jean for four days, oh but nobody believed her. Later, Jean confessed this to the police at one of the sex drug parties that they were having. This is what Jean was saying, claiming to the police. Susanna and Jean met a friend of a friend named Mohammed Yusuf. Apparently, Susanna pressed Jean to sleep with him and she didn't like that. She told the police that she gave Susanna, quote, a good hiding for trying to make her go with an Arab. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, Another story. I don't know how true that is, but um, <laughs> okay. Well, Jean has a preference for white men, I suppose. So, all right. I mean, it was early 90s. Um, yeah, but uh, I just found it really funny. I just found it. I just <laughs> I found this woman it's like, just so that silly. little bitch wanted me to go with an Arab. I had to beat her up for four days. I mean, for you've that. got a filthy house. You're selling drugs. You sleep with everyone. <laughs> but you know, but she draws the line. Draw the line. <laughs> oh yeah, because she's not that kind of whore, is she? <laughs> Fuck <laughs> out. Yeah, she'll sleep with underage boys. That's fine. Yeah, too. that's fine. No yeah. problem. God. Anyway, things got a lot worse for Susanna. When, so like this was basically the starting of, it was already quite bad, but it was like gradually getting really worse and really bad. When Jean Bernadette Glenn Powell, the ex-husband, and Anthony Dudson all contracted pubic lice. Oh, nice. Oh, yes. oh, brilliant. Bernadette McNeely blamed Susanna because she sometimes, the her logic being, she sometimes slept in the downstairs bed. Which makes no logical sense. No, but you're anyway, just fucking each other with no protection with some fucking drug addicts. Exactly. But it's that girl that cleans your house that's yeah. the problem. Yeah, sure. She also accused Susanna of stealing her expensive pink coat. So they decided to take revenge on her. Now, because of the pubic lice infection, the beatings and the abuse had gotten too much for Susanna. So she went and stayed at her stepfather's place. I think he was one of the few that cared for her. So she was staying at her stepfather's place. His house was not too far from Jean's house. So Jean and Bernadette went over there to bring her back. No. Yes, because obviously they wanted to take revenge. So they needed her back in the house. On the 7th of December, 1992, they lured Susanna back to their home under the pretense that a guy she fancied was waiting to see her. However, waiting for her at the house was Glenn Powell and Anthony Dudson. I don't know why she went back, you know, after all the beatings that she had taken, but it was really difficult for her to cut the friendship. The, yeah, and don't forget that Stockholm Syndrome is real. Oh, that's she, true. She probably, and I imagine they were not horrible to her the entire time because that's not how it works. No. They were probably had nice, like, gentle, you know, moments 
where they would like they probably needed her because they needed yeah. someone to take care of the kids and I'm sure she wasn't and all sorts you of know things. yeah and that's the thing that it seems that all she's known her whole life and she had no place to stay I don't know what's the situation with her stepfather but maybe he wasn't in a position to have her full time and yeah I just reckon she's just very naive and vulnerable mm. and she yeah she probably believed them about that boy she probably there was probably someone she you know that was maybe kind to her and she wanted to see them and then she went back. We don't know what was going through her head, I suppose. Yeah, it's um, and let's not forget she's 16. Yeah, she's a baby. Yeah, she's, she's a baby. She's a baby. Yeah. So, yeah, so the three of them held her down while Glenn Powell shaved all her hair and her eyebrows off. Oh, my God. Yes, they made her clean up her hair and throw it in the bin. Glenn Powell placed a plastic bag over her head, suffocating her, and walked her around while hitting her in the head. Susanna, you know, as Susanna curled up on the floor, the four of them took turns beating her with belt buckles and large wooden spoons, like one meter long wooden spoons, and kicking her. Jesus. Laughing the whole time, enjoying every bit of it. It was so bad that one of Susanna's arms would hang uselessly by her side. <gasps> they then forced her to shave off her pubic, her own pubic hair, as like some kind of humiliation. A show, yeah, great. Yeah, because Fuck she's the one that got them all the lice. And then they locked her up in a cupboard overnight. And it's just the beginning, guys. Susanna was screaming and crying all night, and it was upsetting the six children in the house. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. Mm. So the next day, they transferred her to Bernadette's abandoned house, which was, you know, only three doors down. Here, they were able to torture her to their liking with no disturbance. They tied her to an upturned bed, spread eagle with chains and ropes, and socks stuffed in her mouth to muffle her screams. The gang in injected themselves and Susanna with drugs. I think it was um, amphetamines. Mm -hmm. And tortured her to their heart's content. My God. Yes. Over the next five days, they repeated this, getting high as hell and abusing her. To be honest, it's really hard to find exactly what they did to her because it was must it was bad. They're not going to tell you the truth, I are think, they? Yeah, and I think uh, it might have just been like the courts that knew it. I think it's really difficult okay. to get that information, right? Um, because and and I think and already what we know is too much uh, anyway. Like well, her, babe, it lasted five days, and I'm assuming at the end of five days she dies, right? It actually lasted about seven days. Seven days. Yeah. I can only imagine how horrible it must have been. It was. Her body was covered with cigarette burns, like literally head to toe. And Bernadette McNeely, she was also a drug addict, by the way. She got so high, she would call herself Chucky, after the character from Child's Play. Oh, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> she would begin her torture sessions with the phrase... Chucky's coming to play. Bernadette went so crazy that even Jean admitted that she was creeped out. If Jean says it was bad, it must have been really bad. I mean, what the fuck? They also played rave music with the volume at maximum through headphones. So they were constantly playing that to Susanna. Particularly the song, Hi, I'm Chucky, Wanna Play. It's a song. Okay. A rave song. Yeah. That sounds like fucking torture. That's... Wow, what, yes. the, what the hell? The other two guys, Jeffrey Lee and um, Clifford Poop, 
they would uh, join them throughout the week. So they come in later on. And so they were fully aware of what was going on. They came to the house. They saw her tied up. So they knew what was going on. Also, they never untied her. So Susanna was basically lying in her own urine and waste for days. Mm -hmm. After the stench became unbearable to the gang, they dropped her into the bathtub filled with concentrated disinfectant and scrubbed her so hard that her skin came off. Oh my god. Oh my god, what the fuck? Clifford Pope used pliers to pull out two of Susanna's teeth. No! No, I refuse. No. I know. No, 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 no. Mm -mm. He told her to open her mouth and said, Right, I'm going to rip your teeth out. What a sicko. That is... Horrific. He kept hitting her teeth with the pliers. Because oh. it's not as easy as it sounds. No, it really isn't. You can't just put it like I know that in TV shows and stuff they make it they try like, make it a joke, but it's not. No. It's difficult as hell. Oh, so, no, yeah, no, he no. hit her teeth uh, with the pliers until they were chipped oh. and broken. That's and, even worse. Yeah. And then he like he pulled her head forward and ripped them out, laughing the whole time. Police later found two of her teeth at his house. Like some kind of... He took them yeah, with him. Yeah, trophy. Yeah. Little memento. Yes. Wow. After about a week, the gang found out that Susanna's family were going to report her missing. So they all agreed that it's time to get, you know, get rid of her. Oh, Jesus. In the early morning hours of uh, the 14th of December, 1992, Glenn Powell, Jean Powell, Anthony Dudson and Bernadette McNeely threw Susanna into the boot of a stolen Fiat Panda and drove her to the woodlands near Stockport. Uh, Stockport's not too far from Manchester. It's like about, I would say, a 45-minute drive, if Mm. that. They forced her out of the boot and they threw her through the brambles and she was bare feet and basically almost completely naked. Was she still alive? She was alive. Oh, God. Bernadette poured petrol over her and set her on fire. No. They left her there laughing and singing Burn Baby Burn on the way back. They are they are not human. They but are seriously how fucking animals. They're just so corny, isn't it? Like Oh yeah, I know, they're so fucking just, sh- You're just uh, the fucking combined IQ in that house must have been below like hundreds at all times. What the actual fuck? Seriously. Animals, absolute fucking beasts. Somehow No, don't tell me she's still alive. Susanna managed to survive the fire attack. Oh my god! And staggered up the embankment <gasps> and onto the road, which was about a quarter of a mile, guys. Jesus. Which, by the way, in her condition, must have felt like bloody four miles. Yeah, probably took her hours. And uh, um, yeah, and uh, she managed to somehow get onto the road. And there were three workmen driving to work who spotted her. Oh Jesus! One of them, Barry Stuckcliffe, got her help. Susanna, even in the in the condition that she was, thanked him repeatedly and muttered over, like she muttered, quote, over there in the field, they burnt me, they put petrol on me. But the truth is, she didn't even have to say that because 80% of her body suffered burns and her oh. skin was literally hanging off. Oh my God. I can't imagine. Can you imagine finding someone like that just driving to work? Yeah. I think I'll just shit myself and cry. Like, imagine how she looked, babe. Like, I can't imagine. I really can't. I know. Like, I, I was that, thinking the same thing. Like, these guys are really, like, strong men. Yeah. And that, you know, 
because it must be I'm sure adrenaline k- kicks in and you kind of but I just like burn victims especially Jesus Christ there's different level really of, different level and you don't yeah. want to touch her because you don't want to hurt her even more do you know what but you'll have to transport her somehow it's just yeah. fucking hell because it's obviously the 90s guys there's no cell phones yeah they have to like take her themselves <laughs> actually I was gonna. I was, I was, I was but there gonna, was. I'm trying to show. There was cell phones in the 90s, but not everyone had them, did no, they? It this wasn't was that. early 90s. I highly doubt it. Yeah. Did. And they didn't have cell phones. Mm. So what they did was uh, when they, you know, they saw her, they immediately took her to a nearby house, mm. uh, which belonged to Michael and Margaret Coop, and that, that's where they called for an ambulance. Oh, okay, good. Michael Coop said, "Quote: Both her hands appeared like ash. Her <gasps> legs were just like raw meat." And her feet appeared to be badly charred. I was struck by how polite the victim was. She was constantly thanking my wife for her assistance. Oh my god. Yeah. Margaret Coop, the wife said, quote, I instinctively went to put my arms around her, but she pulled away because she could not bear to be touched. Yeah. Her head was shaved and there were recent, not new cuts on her head. Her face was almost featureless. Her hands were red raw and black to the fingerprint uh, tips. Her um, legs were red from top to bottom. She could barely have anything near her legs. Then Susanna Caper drank six glasses of water, but she was unable to hold the glass herself because of the injuries in her hands. Oh my God. Bless her. I mean, she is a fighter. She is. I, I just, just fight I, through all of that and to what? still... That horrific, horrific injury someone's sending out to me that she's still kind of, like she seems very apologetic, that she's exactly, like you know, imposing on these them. people. Literally, they all were like, bloody hell, like, in that condition, she didn't even have to open her mouth. No. But she was constantly thanking them, oh, constantly uh, being grateful for their help. Mm. She was taken to a Withington Hospital, but unfortunately, the doctors knew she wasn't going to survive. Oh. She fell into a coma and died four days later, but not before... She was able to tell the police what had happened, who she was, and the six people responsible. Yes! Bitch! Yes! I can't believe she had the kind of clarity of mind to do Honestly, that. She, it's amazing. It's amazing. Oh my god! It's, yes! It's amazing. I, I don't think there's many human beings no. on this planet. And I know that when you go through things, your brain and body works differently. Yeah. But the tortures that she faced, the abuse that she faced, yeah. mental and physical, especially in the last few days of her life. Yeah. Can't believe she was still coherent enough to tell them it's what amazing. happened. That's so good. It's amazing. Fuck hell. So, like, literally, like, an hour after Susanna was found, the police, and, you know, the police, like, obviously, was this is a serious stuff. And uh, the police, it, it dicta- uh, I'm sorry, guys. The police detective, <laughs> Inspector Peter Wall, sent officers to arrest anyone they find at number 97 Langworthy Road. Everyone and their fucking dog. Mm-hmm. Everyone in custody now. Yes. Good. Initially, all six denied involvement. Gosh, but um, Anthony Dudson's father, he's the 16-year-old, you know, boyfriend. Oh, right. Yeah, he, uh, his father urged him to um, speak the truth and he started telling the police everything. Oh, yeah, dad probably thought he's 16, he's going to get off lightly because he's underage. So. Yeah. Or maybe the dad didn't realise how bad it was. Maybe he didn't Maybe know. he didn't realise Maybe how... he thought his son was there just for Susanna or whatever. Yeah. He didn't know that his son was, you know, part of it. Yep. The officers couldn't believe what they were hearing. A lot of them were moved to tears. Yeah. The trial took place on the 16th of November, 1993. Naturally, they all turned against each other. (laughs) 
I fucking knew it. I just, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> it always goes like this, honestly. Yeah. It's so, whatever, man. Especially so, with these dumb, dumb They are such dumb villains. fucks. It's honestly, actually, yeah. Honest. Oh. Anyway, Jean said that she sat in the car while the others set Susanna on fire. Yeah, okay, Jean, fine. Sure. We believe you. <laughs> we believe you, yes. Quote, I was numb, I was scared. Shut up. Oh, by the way, guys, yeah, I didn't mention this, but when they got arrested, so when they went to the house um, to arrest everybody, apparently the two girls, uh, Jean Ma- uh, Powell, uh, Powell and McNeely, Bernadette McNeely, were sort of laughing and joking around. So, um... Or when they were getting arrested. When they were, so I don't think they, maybe they thought like, oh, they got nothing to, like, yeah. they probably didn't. Nobody realizes how serious it is when they get arrested. It's only after. Maybe they, they get didn't to the... know that Susanna actually survived and gave the names. Yeah. That's maybe they thought they found the body and they just wanted to speak to them because yeah. that was the last place she was kind yeah, of living kind at. Of living, exactly. But motherfuckers, you didn't kill her and she told them who yeah. you are and what you've done. So nobody's really going to take this seriously when you were laughing and joking around when you were getting arrested. Now, she actually said that she loved Susanna like a sister and that she locked her in the cupboard for her own safety. Jean also said that she can't, a quote, she can't stand violence. I don't even smack my own children. Yeah, okay. I I believe that 100%. Uh Uh-huh. I'm sure. I'm sure. You know when the lie is so ridiculous, like the police probably were rolling their eyes going, woman, seriously. Stop. They were, pro- yeah, mate, all you have to do is walk into that house and exactly. you can tell a lot about Jean. 100%. I would think. And she doesn't need to say anything. They already know. Exactly. Bernadette said that she was, uh, so uh, she was holding the, can- uh, the canister of petrol, but it was Anthony that grabbed it, you know, last second and set Susanna on fire. And Anthony said that it was Glenn that did it. Oh, so we're going in circles now. Yes. But we literally, no, him, 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 her, him. Okay. (laughs) Jean Powell, Glenn Powell and Bernadette McNeely were sentenced to life in prison and were ordered to serve a minimum of 25 years. Anthony Dudson was a minor and was ordered to spend a minimum of 18 years in prison. Clifford Pook and Jeffrey Lay were charged with false imprisonment. Pook was sentenced to 15 years in prison and was released in 2001. Lay was given 12 years and released in 1998. Right. Um, which I think was just a bit too soon. Like, I know yeah. that these two, the last two, were not, like, fully involved in the last seven days of the torture and kidnapping, but they were fully aware of what was going on. That's the they thing. They witnessed the, the horrific stuff and they partook in some of it. Mm. So, anyway... Even the life sentences not of 25 years, I don't know if that's Wait. enough for these people. Anyway. <laughs> We're getting there, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Now, in 2012, Jean Powell's sentence was reduced by two years after she showed remorse and helped prevent a jail escape. So she was released in 2017. Oh, okay. Bernadette McNeely's sentence was reduced by a year, 12 months, in 2013 because the judge found her, quote, a model prisoner, and that she, quote, fit, was filled with remorse. But how do we... Were they? Mm. Yeah, and she was released in 2015. Glenn Powell was the last to be released on license in May 2023. So he literally just... just now. Basically. Yeah. 
Now, released on license, um, guys, means that in the UK, it means that you are free to be freed from prison before your sentence is complete, but you must stick to a set of rules for the rest of your sentence. Now, because these guys, the three of the main three got life sentences, that applies for the rest of their life. And I think it applies to the other two as well. So I think if they do anything criminal yeah. or, um, you know, step out of line or don't follow the rules, they will be sent to prison immediately as well. I just don't understand how they even out. No. Like, based on the horrors of and, this. And their sentences got reduced because they showed remorse. Yes. Well, not for a long time, though. They only showed it when... When? How? How did they do that? Because I really don't know because how they didn't work, yeah. cause any trouble in prison. Because in prison, there's a lot more tougher fucking people than them, and they were. They're not going to find Susannas in prison. No, no, that's the thing. You know, Harmonia is bollocks. Because I... for the torture they put her through and fucking laughed about it, and they did it all in front of their children. Are you serious? And now that do we know where they are? Probably changed their fucking names and yes. just going about their business. I mean, there is like, you know how there's always like certain Facebook groups and things like that where they're trying to get them like back into yeah. prison, things like that. I just, I, I was, when I was, you know, researching and writing up, I just, I didn't expect them to be out of prison. I thought they'd still be in prison. So yeah. I was quite shocked to read so they, that. So they did what, so about 20 years? I think they all... 20 odd years each. Yes, about, um, um, I, Glenn Powell definitely did more because yeah. he was released in 2023. 2015, what would that make it? Oh my god, I have to do maths now? Wait. Yeah, when was the trial? I don't know. Let's call it 20 years. Yeah, so 20, about 22, 23 22 years. years. Yeah. yeah, basically, they mm. got the two years reduction. And so from 25 years, one got two years off, one got one year off. So they did about 20, 23, 24 years. Um, oh, I don't, I don't know if that's fair. Because this is one of those where I don't know about rehabilitation. Because what, what, how evil can you be to do something like that? With and then children. laugh about it and yeah, fucking sing burn, baby, burn. I don't know if that's a, a, a sane person. It was nonstop torture. You can blame me on the drugs. You can blame yeah, me on whatever sure. you want. But the truth is you tied her up and you tortured her every single day. Yeah. And you made it into like some kind of weird ritual where you guys all took drugs. They even gave her Susanna drugs. Mm. They all, you know, they don't. I hope they knocked her out for a bit so she wouldn't feel the pain at least. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry to oh, say, I don't think so. I think no. they enjoyed every little bit of it and, and God knows what kind of things they did to her. And it was non-stop. Like this has come serious. I don't get how they're out and about. I really don't. No. No, it's terrifying actually that people like that who are capable of this stuff. And you know, people like that can, are capable of hiding <laughs> that, um, you know, intense desire to torture yeah. and pain, give pain and be brutal mm. um, as for as long as it, they need to. Well, yeah. I'm not saying that these guys are going to go out and do it. I no. don't think they will. I no. think they, they as long, go back to prison. As long as they are being kept away from each other. Because everything that happened happened because all of these weird characters got together. I believe mm. separately, if they're in a different environment, maybe this would never happened. It w wouldn't have happened. Mm. But... It's just this weird, you see, this is what I'm saying. Like, if you've got several people, they would not do it individually, but together. Put I them don't together. Think they, uh, they would be, I think that's probably one of the conditions. Mm. I'm sure. I hope they can't I'm sure be it's in one of touch the conditions with each that other. they can't be in touch. And plus, do, after they, what they did to each other in the trial, I they doubt they want to see each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they probably don't want to see each other ever again anyway. I'm really angry about the whole thing. And I'm angry at everyone around that girl. Yeah. Because everyone, every single motherfucking person mm. has failed her. 
I mean, you know, the sister, Michelle, uh, actually, you know, based on what the mother did, she was kind of annoyed that her mom didn't let her in the door. And a lot of people were saying how if she had let her in that day, that could have been the, that day that saved her. Because yeah. clearly she was sick of it. She was fed up. She couldn't take it anymore. Um, all she needed at that moment was probably a hug from her mom, telling her everything's going to be okay and that she will never let her go back there. And that could have yeah. been it. It's just she had nowhere else to go. What yeah. are you going into? The fact that she had to walk back to the house is so That's, sad. Yeah. Like, you finally have the courage to leave. And it's not... That's the thing. And know, that probably took a lot for her as well. It must have taken a lot for her. You finally have the courage to do it. And yeah. you do it. And then... Get turned away at the door. right back. Now, you might be... See, have you, by any chance, did you hear about this story ever? I don't know. I have heard of similar stories, but I don't know if I've heard of this one specifically. I don't think so, actually. No, so it doesn't have... a Like, considering how gruesome and sad and mm. tragic the story is, you'd think that it was more popular, right? Yeah. Now, why why this case was not as well known as um, it possibly could... Like, it should have been because of the situation, the tragedy, was that Susan um, Kappa's murder happened just two months before James Bulger was murdered. <gasps> yeah, in Liverpool. No. Now, for the, those of you who don't know, it was a young, young, young boy that was killed by young boys. He was a toddler that was murdered by young boys. So, And it took over the nation. Like, people... Yeah. To this so day. This day yeah, to this we day, we still, like, about are curious it. about what's going on with the two boys Oh, because what happened was uh, one of the boys that did it, the kind of instigator of the whole thing, they obviously got new identities and everything, but now he's he's been back in prison for yeah. child uh, pornography, yeah. I believe, and child abuse, or whatever. No, I don't, I don't think it was child. I think it was child pornography, which is bad enough, yes. anyway. Um, and yeah, so it still kind of rattles the nation yeah. a little bit. And uh, the young boy that died, the toddler's mother, she's been like adamantly trying yeah. to like fight for them to be back in prison and not yeah. to be around and stuff yeah. like that. And it's just, and it was just really, really horrific what happened to the, the toddler. So it, and, and the whole country was obsessed with it. So unfortunately, because that happened, uh, Kappa's story didn't really get, I mean, it got some attention, obviously, when it happened, but it didn't get too much attention straight after that. And, oh. um, the trial for, um, the, the Liverpool case was almost the same time as well. Shit. Yeah. So yeah, they can't have two horrific stories on at the same time, can they? Yeah. Um, Tony Blair, our former Prime Minister, mm-hmm. at then he was the Shadow Home Secretary, and he commented on the two murders, describing them as, quote, hammer blows against the sleeping conscience of the country. Very poetic yeah, from you know our what? man Tony Blair. Yeah, Tony but... Blair always has these, like, really, like, really good one-liners. <laughs> he's liners. got, he's got a way about him, doesn't he? He does. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know when Princess Diana died, mm. um, I think um, very shortly, like a couple of days or the next day or something, Tony Blair was interviewed um, by the news people. I think he went to pay his respects or something and he was stopped interviewed. And the speech he had given was so powerful. And because obviously Princess Di um, was so loved by the nation yeah. um, that, that what he said was made the whole, the, the whole country was moved. Really? Labour. I, I don't... Guys, I this is like my old memory, but I'm almost certain. Labour was at... 97% approval or something by the no. country. Yeah. I don't remember. I don't, I didn't know about that. crazy like that. That's yeah. crazy. Oh, that's look at those fucking politicians things. picking the right moments. Yeah, to say the right thing. Even if they're yeah. morbid like that. <laughs> that's but, fascinating though that, yeah, she didn't. Because, yeah, looking at it, you can see why the James story hmm. would have been more I think covered. that if her story had more attention, I don't think that these guys would be... um 
yeah out of prison because there's no outrage because no one knows about yeah. it yeah. exactly i think the outrage would have changed completely the whole and situation. it's horrible that even in her death no one is there advocating for her mm. it's really it's really sad <sighs> another little side thing so guys um bernadette mcfeely right babe you're gonna Anyway, I don't think you're ready for this, but okay. So Bernadette McNeely um, had um, a prison romance with, uh, she had an affair really, with a prison governor called Mike Martin. He was a married man, 42 years old. It was very, like, shortly after her being sent to prison. So it was, like, I'm not sure when exactly it was, but she was sent to prison in 1993, and it happened in the first couple of years. They had their little affair. And then when they got, when it got found out, uh, he had to resign. I think she was sent to a different prison for a short time, something like that. But he still sent her love letters after Fuck her. Off. Uh, yeah. And that's not even the crazy bit. You know what the crazy bit is? Oh, no. She had a prison romance with Myra Henley. No! Yes. No! Yes. Fuck off. No, she didn't. They both were in the same prison. <gasps> and they had like a little uh, little prison romance going on. And for those of you who don't know, she was a cold-blooded child killer she killed yeah. her and her partner her uh, husband boyfriend, boyfriend ian um, yeah ian myra hindley and ian bradley there we go jesus christ go. that took us way too long but yeah yeah anyway th- a huge story i'm sure a lot of you are familiar with it yeah but that's yeah. wow that's why i was shocked obviously the two creepy people had to find each other and fall in love in prison. seriously yeah that's why maybe some of them should you know, be in, um, what's it called? Confinement. Just yeah. so that do not see anyone, do not speak to anybody, just you and yourself only. No romances Actually, in prison. you know, so I was looking into like, cause I'm just, I, I can't believe guys that these people are out. I just don't think they no. deserve to be out. No. I think the, what they did to her and bear in mind, she is, she's a, she's a young child still. 16 is mm. a child. Yeah. Do you know, like the what they did to her, the torture they put her through. Based on a lot of what I was uh, reading, Bernadette McNeely apparently was one of the crazier ones, as you guys can tell with her drug use, her going all I'm chucky and stuff. And like, her shagging Myra Hindley, yeah, I would imagine she's she's got something not right. Yeah, there. and uh, and a lot of people on the you know on the post that are trying to like bring attention to this, trying to see like why are they out? Shouldn't they be in prison? They were like, do you even need to say anything more than the fact that she had a prison romance with this kind of person? <laughs> Do you even have to say anything else? <laughs> Seriously, I know, that's bad enough. She should go to prison just for that. Just for that. Oh my God, that is... It's made me queasy, this one. Because they're kind of... Oh, I can't imagine. I know, it's, it's a sad one, guys. And it's um, and it's really like... I feel... I, I know they went to prison and all of that, but I, just, I feel like justice was not done. No. There's something missing. And I don't know what it is, but I, I don't know. Susan's mother did try and fight all the, you know, all the parole hearings and... Um, well, she woke up now that she she was a mother, yeah? Yeah, all she right. did fight all of them. She did try. Uh, she, she, you know, she was like, these people should not be out, allowed out of prison. They took a life. If anything, I wish the death penalty was back. She was saying things like that. And, you know, she is a mother at the end of the day. I'm sure she felt pain. But I think that um, okay. everybody that knew Susanna, that was part of her life, because I don't think this girl had any friends. I think she only had the family members. Um, I th- so all these people, they should take responsibility mm. that they didn't do enough. Be- because she wasn't an adult. Yeah. She was still a child. Yeah. She was still a minor. And no one felt any babe, kind of responsibility over I'm her. I'm in it's my thirties, babe, and I promise you, if I was homeless or if I didn't have a place to go, uh, my mom, like, it's not even a question. 
No. It's not even a question. I could be 45 and I can go to my mom's yeah. house and she'll let me, and I, she will take care of me. Yeah. I'll never be homeless while my no. mom's around. Do you understand? No. Like, and she was a baby. And yeah. she was homeless, basically, essentially. She was. That's how I see it. Because yeah. she, you know, she never had a, a actual, I think that's one of the biggest reasons why she got so attached mm. to uh, Jean Powell. Because she yeah. actually had a place that she can stay. Yeah. And it's really horrible that these were the people that she came across and not someone who would have helped her. But yeah, I'm really saddened because, yeah, like I said, I just feel like the, but, there was no justice for it and yeah. these people should have been punished more. But let's talk about, you know, just before we end it, we'll talk about just how much of a brave girl she was. Yeah. She truly was a brave person, strong person. You can see how sweet she was. And, and, and yeah, finally, it's just a sweet person. It's a really gentle soul. Exactly. So that's what, black, that's yeah. what really makes it so much sadder. And that's probably why she fell into this trap because mm. of the fact that she was a sweet person and she was, so she was easy to manipulate, easy to control. 100%. Yeah. What kind of story have you got for us to end on? And it better be nicer than this, because I am quite upset. Okay, so this is just a random fact, guys, yeah? There's no distinctive patterns for serial killer profiles. Movies and social bias descriptions would often portray killers as middle-aged, sadistic white men who have sexual motives. <laughs> While some serial killers' profiles fit this image... It's most, um, it's uh, often misinterpreted. If one would take a closer look, the serial killers, as well as their victims, come from a variety of backgrounds and age groups. This just shows that anyone could be a serial killer. You will come across at least 36 serial killers in your lifetime. They will have wide range of reasons and motives, and some might be suffering from mental ill issues. These are the usual perpetrators who get caught because e uh, easily because they do not act rationally compared to those who are deemed normal in society. It's just a random information because we we all well, you know so fascinated by in a people. lifetime. What did it? How many were there in your life? Thirty six. Thirty six. Uh, do you reckon you've met one yet in your life uh, that I've spoken to that yeah. I've known personally? That you've interacted mm. with, not like you know close, but acquainted with or. Do you have an, an I've never met anyone, <laughs> but I have met like one, two people where I think to myself, hmm. Something wrong with you, mate. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And these guys that we spoke about in the story, these horrible six people, I bet you if they didn't get arrested, if they didn't get caught, and if they could find another victim, do you think that they would have stopped it? I reckon if they were never caught and it was left as it was and yes. she died and yeah. they would never identify the killers, yeah. they would have found another victim 100%. And bit on, on, by the way, guys, I forgot to mention this, but they did the teeth thing. Like the uh, the damaging of her teeth and the burning, all to you know get rid of her identity so that she couldn't be identified. So think about that. There's Did a they do all her teeth? No, just the just main two. two. But they they bashed uh, the bashed the rest. Oh, of it. destroyed the rest. Yeah, of it. they oh destroyed the rest of it. Um, so they really didn't want uh, people to find out who she was. Okay, so, they so have intentions. They're of, fucking stupid, but they've watched some Criminal Minds. So mm, there we go. I feel like they watched one thing. And <laughs> And they did just the yeah. one thing on the teeth. I'm telling you, these mm. these are some dumb... Well, mm. luckily they were too stupid to wait to yes. make sure she's actually dead. Yes. So, thank fuck for that. Oh my God, Darcy. What are you putting me through? <laughs> and it's a heavy story, guys. Today was a heavy yeah. one, I have to say. It's, it's, yeah. It hasn't been a pleasant episode getting my head around this. But anyway, thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you again next Thursday. Thank you. Wait, before you go, 
We would love to hear some feedback. So if you could leave us a review or drop us an email at podofterror at gmail.com or find us on any social media at podofterror, we would love to hear from you guys. Bye.